0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and on this edition we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to Brentford coming up this Sunday. A big game, an opportunity for Arsenal to return to winning ways after a really disappointing result at Old Trafford in our last Premier League outing. Now a game of course that followed that in the Premier League at home to Everton was postponed and so we've got an opportunity now although we've had to wait a little bit longer than we'd have liked to put things right and get back on track, hopefully holding on to our place at the top of the Premier League. A big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat. A big hello to everybody who will be watching or listening to this back a little bit later on. I'm buzzing. I've been talking to you guys recently about the uh, the new membership stuff that we're doing and some of the new content that I'm going to be bringing you and some of the uh, exclusive stuff that members will be able to access. And I'm currently in the middle of putting together... A really cool piece of content that's kind of taken me on a trip down memory lane. Well, I think it's cool. I hope you guys will think the same when you listen to it as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really in a good mood because it's put me in a good mood. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, looking forward to sharing that with you guys, uh, hopefully at the start of next week. Um, let's say a few hellos to those of you in the live chat. Big hello uh, to Lars, who says, Finally, a weekend of football again. It feels like a long time since the last game. You're absolutely right. Big hello to Afsar. Big hello uh, to Louis as well. Uh, big hello to Moss, who joins us in the chat, as well as Shabihi, who joins us from the States. Uh, good afternoon to both of you. Amira is with us as well. Says, happy Friday, Harry. And all you gorgeous Gooners, the Arsenal play tonight. Of course, uh WSL kicks off this weekend as well. Uh, big hello to Tezzy May, who says, uh, hello, Gunners. Harvey's with us as well. Junior Gunner is back in the chat after a while. Hope you're good. Um, we've got Jack. We've got Abby, who says, hello, Mitrovic. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, we've got uh, Wandering Minstrels with us. We've got Tom. We've got Lynn. Uh, we've got the Mafia boss. We've got Todd uh, Togdeer Express. Uh, who says, good morning from the States. And we've got HE, who joins us all the way from Canada. Hope you are well. Okay, uh, let's get into it then. Let's look ahead to this fixture, which I think is going to be a really difficult one. I think that this is going to be a real, real test for this Arsenal side. I think this is a Brentford side who are notoriously very difficult to beat, who have a lot of spirit, a lot of heart, who have come back from losing positions on numerous occasions this season, and who I saw absolutely thump Leeds United in the flesh just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was covering Brentford's 5-2 victory over Leeds United for BBC London. Um, I was at the game. I I watched it and, you know, I I paid particular attention to it. I watched it very, very closely. Um, You know, I I studied Brentford kind of knowing that this game was not a million miles away. And, you know, I think I've learned quite a bit about Thomas Frank's side in the the two times that I've covered them so far this season. And I think that they're going to pose a real test, a real stern test. I think the fact that it's away from home makes this, you know, an incredibly difficult fixture. And people look at the Brentford Community Stadium as this kind of small ground, a club that haven't particularly got a lot of history or tradition of being in the big time. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. And they think, well, you know, Brentford should be an easy place to go. I can tell you, when I was there, Two, three weeks ago, the atmosphere was incredible. It was brilliant. And it is a small ground. Yes, it isn't the biggest crowd that you'll face, but it's very kind of intimate and it's a hard place to go. There's no question about that in my mind. And when you then factor in how physical uh, and how committed Thomas Frank's sides are, and the fact that they're also very capable of playing attractive uh, football, they're very capable of playing the patient game, but they're also. Uh, incredibly effective, sorry, when they go direct. And that is something that we're going to really home in on on this edition of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about how Arsenal can move to try and nullify that Brentford threat because it really is an area of strength for them. There's no question about that. But before we do that, let's just quickly reflect on some of the key points from Mikel Arteza's press conference, which he gave earlier today. Now, he was pressed about team news, and this comes off the back of some rumours that came out this morning um, with regards to Alexander Zinchenko, there was, uh, there was talk about Ben White as well. Um, we've heard in the week uh, leading up to this that Thomas Partey could be available to return, which would give us a huge boost in midfield. There's no question about that. Um, but with regards to Zinchenko, who the Ukrainian FA apparently say is unavailable and will not be selected for international duty. um With regards to that, with regards to Ben White, who's also rumoured to have an injury problem, uh, Mikel Arteta kept his cards very, very close to his chest, as he tends to do when it comes to team news. And when it is a Sunday game and he gives the press conference on a Friday, he's always got that safety net of being able to say, well, we've got another training session tomorrow. And so I haven't got any updates. I haven't got any news because we're going to reassess everybody then. He does that a lot. He does that pretty much every time. We saw him go to Old Trafford just recently with lots of rumours doing the rounds about players being out, Odegaard, Ramsdale. um, And I think there was one more that was linked with being out as well. I think Zinchenko and, you know, all of them were in the starting lineup. So you've got to take what Mikel Arteta says and does and and the way he acts around team news with a bit of a pinch of salt because he very rarely gives anything away. And if you do get some information from the internet, uh, you know, and, and the world of Twitter... A lot of the time it's it's probably incorrect as well because I, I do really feel like at Arsenal now we're in a place where there isn't those leaks. It's really difficult to get information if there's been a conscious decision taken to make sure that that information doesn't get out. So, yeah, I'm not going to be too knee-jerk on the team news, but when I pick my team a little bit later on, uh, we'll obviously factor that in. We'll obviously talk about that and we'll also talk about the alternatives in the event that some of those players are indeed unavailable. Um, as I say, didn't want to give anything away on the team news. He said, there's not much news to give. Um, he talked about how difficult this game was going to be, but there was an interesting question put to him about Emile Smith Rowe. Now, again, a piece has come out earlier today, talking about him having some sort of growth issue that is impacting the groin area. Um, Mikel Artista didn't hundred percent confirm that that wasn't really the question asked to him in fairness, but what he did was, um, was sort of uh, allude to the fact that there is an ongoing issue with Emil Smith Rowe that has to do with his groin. It is a problem. It's not ideal. It's something that prevented him playing regularly at the back end of last season and something that is preventing him from playing regularly at the moment. Look, Gabriel Martinelli's done brilliant. There's no question about that. But it would be nice, wouldn't it, to have Emil Smith Rowe back fit and firing and as an alternative option. And un- instead, because of his Inability, I guess, at the moment to play a lot of minutes. He's been a bit part player. He's come on as a sub a couple of times, but it's not been the Emil Smith Rowe that we've all seen over the last season and a half. We know what a talented lad he is. We know what an impact he can have. And just before he started with these injury problems, this groin uh, problem specifically, you know, uh, uh, there was a point last season where he was our biggest goal threat. He was scoring goals. He was getting to the edge of the box frequently. He was creative. He was really, really effective. And um, so it's horrible to see him in this situation. It's almost sad to see him struggling here as well and struggling to kind of get back on track in that sense. But Mikel Arteta kind of alluded to it, as I say, that this is an ongoing issue, that Arsenal are doing everything within their power to try and resolve this issue. But it's just one of those things. And, you know, I just, I I really don't want to see his kind of, and maybe it's a bit premature to say this, but I really don't want to see someone of his talent just kind of fade away off the look, uh, off the back of a problem like this. I want him to be able to bounce back. I want him to come back and be fit regularly. And I want him to be at the physical level that we all know he can be, which obviously helps him to then channel all that incredible technical ability that he has at his disposal also. Uh, Mikel Arteta was asked about Ben White's omission from the England squad, which we touched on uh, yesterday. And one of the questions he was asked... Uh, a little bit later on, I'm, I'm kind of jumping around in terms of chronological order here. But one of the questions he was asked, well, was, well, if Ben White's been left out of the team, is that because of an injury problem or or is he available? Is he fit? And Mikel Artes said, yeah, he's fit. He's fit. So this thing that sort of went through my mind yesterday when I heard that he was out of the squad and then read the rumours about an injury or an ongoing problem was, well, my first thought was maybe it's because he's not 100% fit maybe they've taken the decision to leave him out on that basis. And we still don't know, let's be honest. You know, as I say, Mikel Arteta gives away very, very little. But, um, you know, if he has been left out because he's not seen as being good enough, that to me is absolutely bonkers, as I as I said to you guys uh, yesterday. Mikel Arteta was asked if the fact that Ben White's been playing at right back might have had an impact, if that's something that's leading him to... Uh, almost fall out of uh, a Gareth Southgate's eye line when he's considering his centre-backs. And Mikel Arteta said, look, versatility is, is essentially something that every manager would want in their team. So he refused to kind of even concede a tiny bit that maybe the idea and the fact that he's been playing as a right-back has impacted Gareth Southgate's thinking when selecting his centre-halves. Um, he was also asked about Ivan Tony as well, who's of course been called up to the England squad of play that we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this show as well. And he talked about it being a great story, the way he's risen from where he was to where he is today. And Mikel Arteta sort of revealed that you know this is something that's special about the English game in his mind. It's not something that you see very often in other countries. And uh, and he was also very complimentary of Thomas Frank, who's helped steer. Ivan Tony's career to this point as well. He's been a great influence for him. Uh, there's no question about that. Obviously, off the back of all the David Dean stuff around his new book and the Arsene Wenger comments that were made at that particular event, the question was, what's going on with Arsene Wenger? Would you like to have him back? Something along those lines. And Mikel Arteta said, look, I would love him to come back. He knows that there's no problem with me. He knows that the door is open for me, uh, from my side. And there are numerous other people at the club that would welcome him back. Um, just just as a spectator, you know, nobody's sitting there saying that you should uh, rip out what's working at the moment and replace, you know, Edu, for example, with Arsene Wenger because of the achievements that he had 20 odd years ago. Nobody's saying that. But what they, we are saying as fans and, and fans who were particularly affectionate towards Arsene Wenger, um, who recognised towards the end of his time that a change was needed, but never Went down the abuse route. Never went down the route of actively trying to force the guy out the door. And and even those people too, I guess, the people that did do that, still look at Arsene Wenger and and you know, particularly now that the dust is settled, feel that respect that they they should feel towards it. I'd love to see him just come back and watch, you know, I'm, and he doesn't have to be there every week. He doesn't have to be there every single game. He doesn't have to do a Sir Alex Ferguson and sit behind the current manager, almost like the grim Reaper waiting uh, for there to be a problem so that the cameras can pan to him and talk about how great it was in those days and how, um, you know, how, uh, how different it all is now, but just for him to be there from time to time, I think would be nice, wouldn't it? It would it would just allow fans that maybe didn't get to say their goodbyes because they were clouded by the the emotion and the disappointment around where the club had fallen to, would then get that opportunity to give him a round of applause, you know, to pay tribute to Arsene Wenger. I I would love to have him back there um, just as a fan, just as a spectator. and, And I'd love that opportunity to be in the same stadium as him again so that we as fans can now that, as I say, the dust has settled, show the appreciation for all the amazing things he did and all the amazing moments and times he gave us. Um, so that's kind of the latest uh, from Mikel Arteta's press conference. Uh, talked about team, or well, I tried to give you some team news update, but unfortunately, Mikel Arteta never really gave us one. So we're going to have to speculate about that for the time being. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time focusing on Brentford and the threat that Brentford are going to bring to the table because it's a significant one. They're a problem uh, to face. They're a a, a stubborn side to face. And what I want to do is just share with you guys um, the side that beat Leeds United, which I think will probably be a similar side to the one that Thomas Frank uh, names this weekend, just so that I can kind of talk you guys through it a a little bit and uh, and explain to you some of my points. Let me just find, uh, there it is, Brentford 5, Leeds United 2. And if we go to the lineups here, uh, if I zoom in, um, bear with me a second. You should be able to see that clearly guys. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's as best as I'm going to get it. So, um, David Raya is the goalkeeper and he's a, a really brilliant shot stopper. We all know that, but on top of that, perhaps more significantly than that, he's a superb distributor of the ball. And I talked about earlier on Brentford's ability to be direct and, uh, and, and catch you on the break. And David Raya Plays a massive part in that. As I mentioned, I was at that game against Leeds United. And off the top of my head, I can think of at least two or three moments where David Raya's distribution set them off on their way on a quick counter-attack and put Leeds United on the back foot instantly. Um, you know, so we've got to be aware of that threat. We've got to be aware of the fact that Brentford can do that, can can switch the play up very quickly and be, as I say, incredibly direct. Um, Rico Henry is a, a really sort of powerful runner on that left-hand side, gets up and down the flank and influences the game in the final third. Aaron Hickey was playing on the right that day. Now, we were linked heavily as well, weren't we, with Aaron Hickey and, and largely because of his versatility, but he's been playing at right back and done a pretty decent job of that. Pontus Janssen uh, is an absolute beast at centre-half. And on the day that I went uh, down to the Tech Community Stadium, although Ivan Tony grabbed all the headlines, I thought one of their better players on the day was Ben Mee, who they brought in from Burnley, really solid at the back. You look at that midfield of Matthias Jensen, Vitali, Yano, and Shandon Baptiste, if indeed that is the team that Tom, or the, the midfield, I beg your pardon, that Thomas Frank goes with. And it's got a bit of everything. It's got technical ability, um, the ability to pick out a pass, vision in, in Matthias Jensen. It's got physicality, strength uh, in Vitaly Jano, and it's got mobility and energy in Shandon Baptiste. It's a real workman-like midfield, but obviously with the quality that Matthias Jensen in particular brings to it as well. Keen lewis potter summer signing, played on the left-hand side that day. Wasn't as impactful as he'd have maybe liked to have been on that day, but um, you know, uh, still a very good player and someone that we have to watch out for. Brian Embuemo on the other side uh, was incredibly effective. And Ivan Tony through the middle was in the form of his life. It was a beautiful hat trick that he scored that day. And, um, you know, we're going to have to be on high alert with regards to what he can do. Now, we've all seen uh, Mikel Arteta using Ivan Tony's tweet uh, that he put out a couple of years ago now. Or, no, it wasn't even that long ago, was it? Last year. Um, and how Mikel Arteta used that to try and rile up his players. And um, and yeah, so there is a bit of an edge when it comes to Ivan Tony and Arsenal. And, and it's something that, you know, could play a part in how this game pans out. But we all know what he's about, OK? We all know that he's incredibly strong. We know that he's a very good finisher. We know that he's a really clever player as well. Because often, he's the one that Burnley hit when they go direct. And he's always so aware of the runs that Brian and Mbwemo in particular makes beyond him. And he's is, is very comfortable when it comes to helping the ball on, dropping into those sort of Alexander Lacazette spaces, if you want to call them that, and then sort of allowing for people to get in behind and, and then occupying the space that he's vacated in the first place. But what I noticed when it come to Ivan Tony the other week that I, I maybe would have said was, I don't want to call it a criticism, but maybe a slight shortcoming on his part was that he now looks a lot more mobile. I don't know. He, he looked incredibly lean after the game. I interviewed Ivan Tony as well as Thomas Frank and Jesse March post-match. And Ivan Tony obviously was in really positive spirits. He just scored a hat-trick. And one of the questions I asked him was, do you think that you'll be, um, you know, th- that you've earned a place in the England squad? And he didn't want to commit to it. But obviously the kind of twinkle in his eye at the time told me that he felt that he'd sort of certainly done enough to at least be in contention. And and here it is, the call-up has come for for him. So we have to be really, really uh, mindful of the threat that he poses. But my big worry and big concern when it comes to Brentford is with their ability to be direct, with their ability to shift formations, to become a back five when they want to be, to pack out midfield areas, to force us into wide areas from which we're going to be having to put crosses in, knowing that ben me and pontus jansen at center back will just clear those up and eat those up all day long um and then the fact that they can go long and cause us problems now if you think back to the manchester united game i would have said this would have been a problem even prior to manchester united but this is re-emphasized my kind of position on this because i'd said on a 90-minute gas tank show a few weeks back uh prior to the man united game when talking to to my colleague and and good friend of course scott saunders i said my worry was that teams like Manchester United would actually prefer for us to come onto them so that they can try and exploit us on the break. And when you play a really, really high line, you know, you're, you're almost relying on your centre-backs when your opponents go direct to be quick enough, to be strong enough, to read the game well enough to make sure that they occupy the right channels and cut out those passes and give the rest of your team an opportunity to get back behind the ball, reset, and hopefully put an end to the attack. And, I, and I, I said that Manchester United would would prefer that the game went that way. They'd much rather that than Arsenal sitting deep, you know, being rigid in their shape and in their formation. And then Arsenal uh, sort of, you know, saying, well, it's over to you. You play the football. You break us down. They wanted to be the team that soaked up pressure and they wanted to hit us on the break. Why? Because they've got the likes of Rashford, who love to run in behind because they've got the likes of Jaden Sancho, Anthony, et cetera, et cetera. These players want to isolate people. They want to get you in one-on-one situations. They don't want to be trying to break down two banks of four. And I'd say the same about people like Brian Mbwemo. He wants there to be space in behind so he can run into it. He wants there to be space in the channels. Keane Lewis Potter is the same. And Ivan Tony is particularly good at drawing the attention of both centre-halves and then being able to, to flick the ball on, help it on, pick people out and create those spaces, as a safe for the others around him. So I am a little bit worried that some of the problems we had against Manchester United are going to be evident and on show again um, away at Brentford because of the way they like to play. Now, what you could say is that because we played so well at Old Trafford and, and dominated the game and ultimately should have scored more goals, well, actually, if we go and do that at Brentford, then we probably should take the lead, in which case we could naturally drop off a little bit, in which case Brentford's game plan goes out the window and they have to, you know, change or flip or switch to plan B, which might be a little bit different and might be more difficult for them to execute. So, you know, I've said this before as well. If you, if you play as well as we did against Manchester United, you should more often than not win the game but there is that part of me that worries about this fixture and worries about the high line and worries that if we show that we're not clinical and if we give them a sniff and if we're not ruthless enough, just like we were at Old Trafford, we can be punished by a side that have proven themselves throughout this season and throughout their duration of their time in the Premier League to be incredibly effective on the break and on the counter-attack. So, I don't know, is it the scars of Old Trafford that may be leading to me perhaps potentially? Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget not just for football and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you Overthinking this, I don't know, but there is a part of me that worries about what Brentford have to offer on the counter attack. And that if Arsenal dominate possession, control the game, dictate the tempo, but aren't able to to get over the line, aren't able to make the opportunities count, aren't able to, having got in the final third, convert that possession into enough clear cut chances that we could get punished. Maybe it's Old Trafford, maybe it's the scar and the wound left by that. I don't know, but. Nevertheless, it is a big concern for me going into this game, of course. So how would I play it? How would I uh, go in terms of selection, in terms of lineup? Well, the truth is, um, as I say, we we don't know 100% what the latest is around the fitness of some of our players. Uh, But assuming Ben White is fit, and the reason I'm assuming that is because Mikel Arteta literally said that in his press conference, the team I'd go with is Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel, and I've gone with Tierney because I think that the Zinchenko injury stuff is genuine, given that the Ukrainians uh, have come out and said that. So based on that, I'd go Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney as my back four. Would I bring Thomas Partey back into the starting lineup? If he's fit enough, absolutely 100% because he's a significant upgrade on anything else that we have. I thought Lukonga uh, did quite well at Old Trafford, barring a couple of lapses in concentration. And I do think he's one for the future. And I do think he's one who's developing at a good rate and someone that will be a a really important part of this team moving forward. But right now, today, Thomas Partey for me is head and shoulders above any other midfield option that we have. So if he's fit enough, if there are no concerns around his injury, and there's not really an awful lot of fear around re-aggravating that injury, then bring him back into the side ASAP. He makes Xhaka better. He makes Odegaard better. And, the sooner we can get back to um, as close to the best team that we have available, the better. Uh, I'd go with Martinelli on the left because I just think he's been outstanding all season. You know, he's been so, so good, so effective. He's been superb. And I'd go with Saka from the right with Jesus, of course, through the middle. Now, in the event that Ben White is unavailable, as some of the rumours have suggested, then you bring Tommy Asu in there and you continue with that. Um, but yeah, th- this is the team I'd go for based on what I'm guessing to be the situations with regards to Zinchenko and, of course, Ben White, based on what we've heard and what we've read over the course of the last sort of 12, 24 hours. So Ramsdale in Goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Tierney, Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard, Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. That is my starting 11 to face Brentford at the Tech Community Stadium. Okay, prediction. Oh, this is really hard because there's a part of me that looks at it and goes, as I said to you, If Arsenal play the way we all know they can, then they should dispatch of Brentford. But it's a way, it's a difficult game. There's something about early kickoffs on a Sunday that I just don't like. Maybe that will help us though, because I always find that one of the big factors when it comes to early kickoffs is that the atmosphere is is normally, unless it's a derby, a North London derby or a Merseyside derby or whatever, normally the atmosphere can be a little bit sleepy. And the atmosphere can just be a little bit below par. And perhaps that is going to be the case at Brentford. And if it is, well, that helps us, doesn't it? So I think Arsenal are going to draw this. That's what my head's telling me. You know, my heart says win. My heart says go out there, be dominant the way we were at Manchester United. And we'll create the chances. We'll make the chances and we'll score the chances and put Brentford to bed relatively easily. That's what my heart says. That's what I want to believe. But my head says a draw um, is the most likely outcome here. Now, that's not ideal because we've got Spurs and Liverpool coming up next. And, you know, that's why I was so frustrated at the Everton game being postponed because we've beaten Everton and got an additional three points on the board. Then it takes the pressure off for the following week and the following week after that. You know, if we lose to Brentford or draw with Brentford and then we we don't beat Spurs and we don't beat Liverpool, then all of a sudden the whole mood around the club changes and quite substantially. And you don't want that, do you? Um, you don't want that. So, um, yeah, in terms of prediction, I'm going to go with a low scoring draw. I'm going to go with 1-1. Um, that's my prediction. But obviously, I want Arsenal to bloody win the game. Uh, Wondering minstrel says, are you commentating on the game, Harry? Uh, I will be at the game. I will be at the stadium. I will be part of the BBC Radio London team that day. Um, Don't know exactly what I'll be doing yet, whether I'll just be chipping in um, on the discussion because there is live full commentary of the game, 94.9 FM, if you are in the London area, um, or on DAB as well. So, um, yeah, I I will be there. I will be part of the team. Uh, I don't know exactly what my role will be just yet, though I haven't quite had that confirmed. But, yeah, I'm going to be there, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, okay, let's um, let's get some of your predictions in the live chat Start putting them uh, in And uh, I will uh, read a few of them off Wandering Mitchell says 3-1 to the Gooners uh, Wesbird says Mr. W thinks 2-1 Arsenal That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be brilliant um, We'd love a bit of that A good Arsenal win um, And another three points on the ball Going into the international break Because when we come out the other side of that international break Shit gets hectic OK, we've got the North London derby, we've got the game against Liverpool, we've got European ties sandwiched in between there. We've got no fewer than nine games to play in October. Now, I know we're not the only club in this situation, so I'm not going to sit there and, and go OTT about it and, and constantly bring it up. But, you know, we've we've got a smaller squad than a lot of our competitors. We've got a lot more regular injury problems than a lot of our competitors. And so for me, that's a big, big concern. Uh, Steve says uh, 2-1 to the Arsenal. He's gone for Gabi and Saka to score the goals. Christian says we get 2-0 up and give one back when Partey comes off. So 2-1 is what Christian has gone with there in terms of the score. Also worth mentioning that today, of course, um, Mikel Arteta was named Manager of the Month for August. You'll be... uh, (laughs) Worried to know that the last time he was uh, given this uh, award, we then went on to lose the next three games in a row. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Um, that doesn't bode well, does it? But um, yeah, obviously, congratulations to Mikel Arteta. Thoroughly deserve five wins out of five uh, up until that point in the season. I mean, how can you knock it? How could it have been given to anybody else? He was so good. Arsenal was so good, um, you know, that that it would have been a crime almost to give it anywhere else. He fully deserves it. Um, you know, he was asked about it in his press conference today and he, he sort of made the point that it's a reflection of, of how well the team's doing, how well the team's developing, as opposed to it being something personal for him. It's, it's certainly a collective effort. And Mikel Arteta is always very quick to make that point and highlight that it's not just him responsible uh, for the team's performances. that It's on the players, it's on the staff, it's on everybody as a collective. Um, we're going to take some of your questions, uh, as well in, uh, in a, just a moment, but I just want to quickly uh, remind you guys, if you're watching us live right now and you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. There's over a couple of hundred of you live with me right now, but we've only got 48 likes on the board, which just isn't quite good enough. Let's try and get that up to at least a hundred. There's more than enough of you watching and please do vote in our poll in the chat as well. The question is, what's your prediction for Sunday? 83% of you think it's going to be an Arsenal win. 9% of you are with me and think that this is going to be a draw. And 8% of you have gone for a Brentford victory. Have we got any Brentford fans in the chat? Doubt it, but we'll see. Uh, let's go over then to the chat box. Let's get some of your thoughts and some of your predictions as well as we um, as we move on. Uh, what? Else, have we got? Uh, uh, Wesbird says, "Did you notice how narrow we were against Manchester United, and does that worry you?" I didn't think we were massively narrow. Like I, I think at times we can be a little bit narrow because you've got a left winger that is right-footed, you've got a right winger that is left-footed. So their natural inclination is to drift in field, at least when we've got the ball, and and obviously want to get as close to the penalty box. As they possibly can. It's clearly something they've been instructed to do. But also, I think where we lose maybe just a touch of width is because of our fullbacks. When Zinchenko plays, he obviously steps inside and and, and becomes part of that midfield. And we've seen Chiarantini start to do that a little bit as well, albeit not quite as comfortably. It's still something that he's learning, still something that he's trying to add to his game. But with Zinchenko playing and with Ben White playing at right back, another one who naturally steps inside. Yes, he makes the odd overlapping run. Yes, he does that from time to time. But his natural inclination, just like the wingers, is to step in field. And so that does take a little bit of uh, of uh, your width away. But what it does do is it makes the pitch smaller. It makes the area of concentration smaller. It makes it easier to press people. And, um, and it makes it easier to win the ball back in the key areas because... You never want to lose possession, but you'd rather lose possession in wide areas because you've still got an opportunity to protect the centre, protect your penalty area, protect your goal, whatever it may be. And so, you know, one of the first things you're taught as a unit when defending is to to show people wide, to put people in a position where they have to either go back or they have to put it in the box and play the percentage game. And and hopefully as a defence, you you're set up right to deal with that. So, um, yeah, there is a bit of a lack of width when certain personnel are playing, but it's not too bad at the moment for me that I'm I'm going to say it's a, a big problem. Ultimately, it was a problem when we weren't creating enough chances, but I do think we are creating enough chances now. Maybe not at Old Trafford. Maybe we could have created more clear-cut ones at Old Trafford. But generally speaking, this season, I think we've been much more potent as an attack. We've been much more effective in breaking teams down. So I'm not going to worry about it at this stage, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, P. Trim says, Harry, we are playing winners' football. Arteta has the team in dominant form. Just manage the game and we're out there with a 3-0 Arsenal win. It is winners' football, right? To go and want to be on the front foot all the time and take the game to your opponent is absolutely 100% admirable. But at this stage in our process, at this stage in our journey as a team, as we look to improve, as we look to close the gap on the likes of Manchester City and the Liverpools in years gone by, et cetera, et cetera, there still come points where you have to recognise that you're not 100% good enough to to always go there and go toe-to-toe with everyone. You know, there are managers that have been heavily criticised for that over the years for not understanding or recognising the shortcomings that their team maybe have defensively and catering to that, and instead being so bogged down by one way of playing, by, by one philosophy, that they've given themselves... To be honest, not a hope in hell when it comes to certain matches. Marcelo Bielsa was someone that people used to say that about. You know, leads only know how to take the game to people. Leeds don't know how to drop off and sit off and soak up pressure. You need to have a bit of both. And where you need it is when you're a side that isn't always able to go toe-to-toe. You know, you, you look at Manchester City, they've got so many great players, such a great manager, uh, so many different options that they can go toe-to-toe and most of the time they'll win. Arsenal are able to do that to most of their opponents at this stage, but there will still be games where we need to be a little bit more reserved and a little bit more pragmatic. And one of my big frustrations coming away from Old Trafford was that having found the equaliser, having gone a goal down, having had a goal chalked off, we'd done the hardest bit. We'd done the hard work. And for me, we just needed to settle down after that. And sometimes the emotion and the desire to win that Mikel Arteta puts across, I think can be just a touch counterproductive in that it kind of causes you to to rile yourself up, to really believe that you can go on and win the game, but at the expense of leaving holes behind you. And at this level, in this league, you simply can't do that. So I want to see us get better when it comes to game management. I think that's partly on, on the manager, of course, but I think that's partly on the players as well. And, and that's something, hopefully, given they're so young, they're going to develop um, around and improve on. Uh, Moss says, uh, I had 2-1 Arsenal 2, Jesus Brace and a Tony goal. Uh, Bishop uh, John Kunkun Kun says, I am certain it's going to be 3-0 because we know what to do. Gaming stuff's gone 5-0, very confident, unless that's the Brentford uh amira says it's going to be a nervy 2-1 Ivan Tony scoring an equalizer to prove why he got the england call up but white to score the winner and prove why he should have been in the england squad love that uh i really do like that uh what else have we got in the live chat box let's pick up a few more of your points a few more of uh, your questions uh lynn says harry do you think arteta has to be a little bit more unpredictable because at this moment we are very predictable. I think we've got a way of playing and, and that's what we want to do ultimately. And Mikel Arteta and his players, I think, as well, wholeheartedly believe that that's the right way to go. It would be nice if we could pull an ace out of our sleeve from time to time and do something different and and do something that catches people off guard. But it's not, you know, it's, it's not as easy as that. You know, it's, it's not as easy as just sort of, yep, I'll wake up one day and I will, um, you know, I will... You know i'll i will reinvent the wheel and i'll I'll come up with a game plan that is totally different and catch everybody out it's um yeah it's a difficult one isn't it uh sam rudman says would ivan tony be someone you think arsenal should go for in the future if you'd have asked me this question a year ago i'd have said no because for me ivan tony as effective as he could be had quite a few limitations and one of them was i didn't think he was enough of a threat in behind i didn't think he was mobile enough at times But as I mentioned earlier on in the show, I've seen a different side to him in that sense, and I think he's got much better in that department. So maybe, who knows, uh, I, I didn't like those tweets that he put out. If you remember, I was really critical of it. Clearly, Mikel Arteta didn't like it either, hence why he used it to try and motivate his players. But if he was to come to Arsenal and score goals, then it would very much be water under the bridge, because ultimately, if he does the business, well, who gives a shit what he tweets? Uh, What else have we got? Going back to that Old Trafford thing, uh, Steve says a draw at Old Trafford would have been a good result. We pushed too hard, in my opinion, but I'm sure that we've learned. Uh, Moss says Saliba and Gabriel, this unit, can can they handle Tony this year? They're certainly physical enough to. And one of the big problems we had when we got beaten at Brentford at the start of last season was that I felt that they targeted Ben White um, at right back, and we—I I remember sort of vaguely in my post-match analysis pointing out that I wanted to see the right back helping out there, um, and that I wanted to see Arsenal do something a little bit different just to kind of to to deal with that problem. Having seen it, because it was a problem that was very visible to us early on in the game, but I think physically we're in a much better place now. Saliba is superb. I think White's toughened up a little bit as well. If he plays, I don't worry about Tommy Asu in the air. If he's the one that gets a nod, so yeah, I think um, I think we'll be fine um, in terms of dealing with that physicality. But Brentford are not just physical; they're quality. They've got a lot of technical ability. They've got players like Johan Visser who can come off the bench and invariably scores goals. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, of threat in that Brentford side, and we've got to be mindful of it. P. Trim says, Harry, how would you have managed a Man U game after our equalise us? Uh, it's the same we'd need to do at Brentford. I would have just, I wouldn't have made any changes. And a lot of people often look back at that game and go, Mikel Arteta's substitutions cost us that game or changed the, um, you know, the dynamic and, and and sort of sent the wrong message. The reason I slightly disagree with that point of view is that we were 2-1 down when he made that triple change. We were already 2-1 down. It wasn't like he made the changes when we were in a a level position and then we went on and lost the game because we lost our grip on it. We'd lost our grip before that because we were comfortable. We were totally dominant. We found the equaliser. The only team that really looked like going on and getting a second potentially was ourselves. We didn't make that happen. And in a short space of time, we got caught cold, we got caught out, and ultimately Brentford won the game as a result of that. And then the changes were made. So I don't really subscribe to this idea that it was Mikel Arteta single-handedly that let us down against Manchester United. I think there's an element of the players maybe getting carried away, and it's why I had a great discussion earlier today with Annabelle uh, Rackham from BBC. Uh, We spoke about maybe Mikel Arteta being a little bit too emotional in that the occasion gets to him. You know, a little bit gung-ho, a little bit riled up, a little bit enthusiastic, a little bit excited and probably urges his team on at times where maybe a more experienced coach would say, look, I'm advising some caution here. Maybe Mikel Arteta being like that and urging everyone forward all the time. I know it's a part of our DNA and it's why we've been effective this season so far, but it does at times feel like something that can potentially do as much damage as good and myself and Annabelle spoke about that and that episode is dropping tomorrow. So you'll be able to check that out uh, on the podcast and of course on the YouTube channel. But yeah, really, really interesting stuff. Okay. Um, I'll take one or two more questions and then uh, I'm going to leave it there. As I say, there is another episode uh, coming up uh, tomorrow, which you can find uh, already recorded between myself and Annabelle at Rackham of BBC. We had a great conversation about her feelings around Arsenal, the direction Uh, in which Mikel Arteta is taking us, what the feeling is around the club at the moment. Uh, And of course, we debated that question. Is Mikel Arteta too emotional at times? And and is that a problem for us? We get into all of that and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Also, just a quick update on our membership platform. As I said to you guys looking to go big next week, I can't wait uh, to share with you guys uh, some of the content that I'm putting together. I say next week, it might be the week after the international break ends. Now, I think that's probably it. Well, you guys tell me, do you want it launched straight away? Do you want it after the international break? Um, you know, we're we're nearly there. Uh, we're nearly there. And I'm, I am I've paused a bit of content that I was making to jump on and do this show, um, which is going to be the first piece of content that you can get on this brand new platform, uh, which is going to be basically me. I don't know if I should tell you. I don't know if I should tell you. Should I tell you? basically a question that i always get asked is what's your arsenal story how did you become an arsenal fan why are you so into arsenal what's your kind of journey been like as an arsenal fan and how did you go from that to this today and so i'm i've done a, a really in-depth piece on that and i'm also going to get some sound bites from like some of the closest people to me friends family whatever people who have been along on the ride people who've been impacted by my arsenal addiction if you like um, and so I thought it'd be nice to put together a little package like that. Uh sort of talking about all of that. So some of you that are new maybe can get to know me a little bit better, and some of you that have never had the opportunity f- to hear the full story because it's always been in the middle of the show about something else. Um, so yeah, let's uh let's let's see how that goes down. But as I say, I'm in the middle of putting it together and I'm really, really enjoying making it. So I can't wait to share it uh with you guys as well. Okay, um, I will catch you all later on. Thank you all so much. Hope you have a great Friday night. Uh, Looking forward to hopefully seeing some of you down at the Brentford Stadium at the weekend. And of course, we'll be back on Sunday night to reflect on the game. It will probably be about 9, 9 9.30pm by the time I get to do that. As I mentioned to you guys yesterday, it was my little girl's birthday yesterday at the time of recording and we're having a little family get together after the brentford game on sunday so there'll be a little bit of a a pause between me watching the game and then me jumping on to do a podcast but i guess it gives me time to process my thoughts which is always good uh so right i'll catch you all soon thank you so 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 much as always uh don't forget to leave a like on the video don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new and we'll be back very soon with more Arsenal content until next time take care goodbye I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon